Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you may hear it again today, but we're going to turn to, to the book of Luke, chapter 2. I know we were in chapter, talked about chapter 1 last week, and uh, feel like this is, uh, I know this is where the Lord wanted me to be to study because he's, uh, it's just been a, uh, the more that we, y'all get tired of hearing me say that, these things, but uh, you know, it's just amazing to me. It shouldn't be, but it still is, and I'm glad it is that God just continues to show us things as we look into his word. Uh, he just continues to show us things that, uh, that maybe we've never seen or, or the things that probably more so things we've read and just haven't given a whole lot of thought to. And uh, just thankful for the privilege to even to have his word this morning and to be able to share it this morning. And uh, so we're, we're gonna, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through uh, 14, I believe it is. Starting in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her son, her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So I'd like for us to turn back. I want to look at, at verses 1 and 2 first this morning. And um, we talked last week about the detail that, that Luke, how he, you know, his book, the book that is authored by him, and I know it was inspired by, by God. I mean, that, that goes without saying because all of God's word, the Bible, was inspired by God. But um, the detail that he gives. And in these first two, you know, in, these, in these verses, in this chapter, he gives us historical details regarding the birth of our Lord and Savior. You know, and, and this, these verses have been read over and over, but have you ever paid attention to all the detail and everything that's in here that Luke packs in to just the first 12 or 14 verses? I mean, there's a lot of detail there. He's very descriptive about where it happened, where Christ was born, when Christ was born. I mean, he wants us to understand specifics. And you know God wants us to understand him specifically, not just by chance, but he wants us to know him personally. But anyway, so he gives us these details, and it says here that, you know, at the time, Caesar Augustus, he was over the entire Roman Empire, okay, and he issued this decree that the entire Roman world would be taxed at that time. You know, and it's interesting to note here that Augustus, that wasn't his real name. That was a title that he had chosen. 
And from what I read, there were several titles that the, I don't know if it was the Senate or whatever that body of, of leaders were at that time, the governing body, they would propose titles to these men as they were put into to be the leader, the emperor or whatever their proper title was. And several of those he refused. And he chose this one. He chose this one specifically. You know, and it wasn't just by chance. God was in control at this time. I mean, I want you to know God's always in control. Always in control. Always has been, always will be. But it's interesting to know about this name. Uh, you know, it's a title that, the, that this person chose, like I said, to be conveyed upon them in that position. And that was the person's choice. But the thing I want to point out is the Greek meaning of what Augustus means. And, you know, it had a religious significance, okay? So this Caesar, he was, he was seeking to apply deity to himself by choosing this name, okay? By choosing this title. He wanted people to view him as most important. I mean, he wanted people to... Uh, to have a, a great reference for him, okay? That was the culture of the time. We talked about this last week. To be a recognized, the recognized person, okay? The, the noticed person, the person of perfection. That was the Greek, that was the culture back then. You know, sadly, I thought how this resembles, resembles our culture today. You know, people are, are so self-centered. People, they just want to, it's about, you know, all they care about is me, 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 self, self, self. And... How, you know, times change, but people never change, okay? But the most important thing is God never changes. So um, I'll talk a little, maybe mention that a little bit later, but Luke tells us specifically in verse 2. Let me, let me read verse 2, and it says, And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor. No doubt Cyrenius would have had a responsibility for overseeing this collection, okay? But you think about this, the driver for it, okay? Now, I know God ordained it without a doubt. But from a, man, from a worldly perspective, it was wealth. He taxed. He, he decreed for the tax. Why? Because he wanted money. I mean, okay, from the worldly perspective, from his perspective. Wealth, fame, and money, that's what drove the decree from Caesar Augustus. Now, and again, I know God was in control, but times have changed. Years have passed. But you know, the same desires, the same characteristics, they still drive the world today. Still drive the world today. And, but God was in control at that time, and just as he is today, he's still in control, okay? I mean, it was all ordained by him, but um, just, just, th- just, you know, I hope you'll spend some time thinking over these verses as, as Christmas draws, and even after Christmas. You know, I think so many times we, everybody's looking at it and thinking about it, and then once the 25th rolls by, including myself, we just kind of move on, you know? Luke chapter 2 I can read it and study it more so than just around at Christmas time, and I think we all can. But anyway, verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 4. Look at verse 4, and it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And I told Pastor Tom... I was texting him several weeks back this, when I started studying this or trying to study it, and I was kind of stuck for quite a while. But this word lineage just kind of stuck with me. You know, and, and the word itself is pretty simple. I mean, the lineage refers to the line of descendants, okay, of one's family. That's what lineage is, or ancestry, if you want to call it that. But, you know, God uses this word lineage, and I think this is one of those verses that we just read and we just go right on by. I don't think we, you know, maybe sometimes we don't think a lot about it. But this word lineage, 
He's using this word to show us, to show us his perfection. Okay? To show us his perfection. You say, what do you mean? To show us his ability to create, his ability to control everything in this world that we live in. I mean, and hopefully I can kind of describe this to you. But from the beginning of time to the present and everything in the future, God's in control. Okay? I don't care what the world says today. I don't care what the, the you know, I'm not going there. I don't care what's, what's, uh, what's pushed by the, the culture and the world outside of the church today. God's in control. God knows exactly where we are. He always has and he always will. He's in control. And man may think he is. Man is not in control. God is. But I want us to, to think about this. In verse 4, when he tells us that Joseph was of the house and the lineage of David, God is unfolding for us here. Okay, if we, if we spend time and look at this, God is unfolding for us here. I um, can't find my notes. His perfect plan to bring the world his dear son who will and has paid our sin debt that nobody else could pay. And nobody could, you know, we couldn't pay by coming into this world. Jesus Christ paid that debt for us. He's the only one that could do it. But God is, when he's telling us these words here, this lineage... It means something. He wants us to understand that from the beginning of time, before even time began, he had a plan for a Savior to come, his Son, to save mankind from their sin, for those who will accept him. That's, that's the qualifier, for those who will accept him. So, but I'd kind of like to kind of give a little picture of where, what I'm talking about here this morning. I hope this is making sense. Some of you are looking at me like, what in the world are you talking about this morning? But it's all good because... You know, everything in God's word is, is for our benefit. So, but anyway, so if we want to turn back to Genesis uh, chapter 12, and, and what I'm talking about is, is lineage. And what he's laid out here for us, he's, he's basically trying to tell us that from the beginning of time, I had the plan, and I've ordained all of this. And let me just give you some examples, okay, of, of how he's done that. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And this is the call of Abram. And this is what the Bible tells us in Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will shew thee. And listen to what he says here. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God made a covenant with Abraham, okay, to be the father of the great nation of Israel. What he's telling us in verse 2, that's, that's what God is telling us. That's what the Bible is telling us there, is that God told Abraham, he said, if you come and you follow me, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you the father of the nation of Israel. You know, I think this, I mean, it's wonderful when we think back, again, we think about Christmas, we think about the birth of Christ, but how God had this perfect plan all along to bring him to us. I mean, in the Bible, we can see it in the Bible. But just the fact that when we think of the word lineage, he knew all along, just like it says right here, where it said that Joseph was of the house and the lineage of David. All along, he... God had the plan in place all the way through, from, from Abraham all the way through. Every person, he knew every name, he knew every family, he knew who, he knew every baby, he knew every child. I mean, it's amazing. 
It's amazing. But um, so he tells him he's going to be, he's going to be the father of, of the nation of Israel in verse 2. And in verse 3, listen to what he says. He tells us, he says, and I will make them, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And listen to what he says. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That means through his line, from the beginning of his seed going forward, that the entire, the entire world, all mankind, there would be a Savior who would come. That's what that's telling us. That he promised through Abraham's seed that Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would come to all mankind. I mean, that's just, I mean, that is, to me, that's totally amazing. Totally amazing. And if you turn just a few chapters over to Genesis chapter 49, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. And in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is ready to die. He's getting ready to, to leave this world. God's getting ready to, to call him out of this world, and he's blessing his sons, and he's giving them their, their life blessings, so to speak, if you, want to, if you want to look at it like that. And look at verses 8 through 12 is where he's, he's telling his son Judah what his, what his blessings will be. And this is what, look at what God has revealed to Jacob. It says, Judah, and by the way, the word Judah means praise means praise. I say praise the Lord. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Listen to what it says in verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal in, unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. God revealed to Jacob that from, his line, from, that from his, the line of his son Judah, that there would be, he would be number one in verse 8 and 9, that he would be the leader those descendants of Judah would be the leader of all the 12 tribes of, of Israel. That's what he's telling us here. And, but the important thing there is in verse 9 when he's talking, and you say, I'm not really sure what all that means. Well, here's what it means. Some six to 700 years later, King David, who again was a direct descendant of Judah, he was going to sit on the throne and he was going to rule Israel. He's one of the, probably the greatest king that Israel ever had was King David. So, I mean... 700 years prior, God already had it all laid out, okay? And he's telling people here, through Jacob, this is what's going to happen. So, and in verse 10, when you look at verse 10, again, God revealed to Jacob that the Messiah of all mankind, that he would come through the line of Judah. I mean, in verses 11 and 12, that's a picture of the millennial kingdom. That's a picture of when Christ comes back, and he's coming back, and, and Pastor Tom's been teaching on this, about the, about the millennial rule and all the different, um, can't think of the word. Well, something like that, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. He's been teaching on this, and, and uh, so he's coming back, and I just, I just, you say, well, how come you're talking about this this morning? Because I think it's just, it's good for, it's good for me, okay? Maybe this is not helping you all any, but when we're, we can find strength in God's word. 
we can find knowledge. No matter how many times we go and we read God's Word and study God's Word, there's more knowledge that God wants to give to us, okay? Of His, of His gifts, not, not from a worldly perspective, but spiritually, He wants to give to us. And I just think it's amazing that when we, we go through and we read these, so many times, I know we've read that, probably read that before about uh, when Abraham, or when God called Abraham, okay? Yeah, I know, but the, have we thought about the details, what that really means, and how that, all of that rolled forward through time to where we are today in 2022? Over that was probably, I don't know, six, 8,000 years ago. I mean, give or take, my numbers are right, four to 6,000. I mean, from the time that he called Abraham to now. And guess what? His plan is just as perfect today as it was when it, back at, in, you know, in Genesis when we're reading back in Genesis. His plan is perfect. Every piece has come into place, every piece. Um, so he spoke to, in 2 Samuel 7, and what I'm, what I'm trying to show is we're all through the Bible here. He started with Abraham to Judah, and then he's coming into King David, to King David. And from the line of King David, again, back to our reference in, in, in the book of Luke this morning, that David was of the lineage of David, or that Joseph was of the lineage of David. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, God came to the prophet Nathan, and he told, he told Nathan... What was going to be of David's family once David died? And David is getting ready to David is getting ready to, to again to be called home. But in verse in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, this is what Nathan told David before he, before he died. He said, And when thy days, this is this is the covenant or the promise that God made with, with David in his lineage. It says, When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But listen to what it says in verse 15. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. God told him, he said, God spoke to Nathan the prophet who shared it with King David that the covenant that God made with David and that through his line, again, would come the eternal king, the eternal Messiah who would reign forever. And you say, how does this all come together? Look at Matthew 1.1. Because we're told in Matthew 1.1... as I get there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Very first thing that we're told at the beginning of this book. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I mean, right there it is. What we've just been talking about, he, Matthew opens up in summary and tells us the same exact thing. So, um, look down in verse 6. Same chapter, Matthew 1, verse 6. And Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. But Jesse begat David the king. Came from through the line again. And Jesse begat David the king. And then in verse 16, we see the documentation of Joseph being from the line of David. In verse 16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You know, I mean, 
All I could say this morning is if there's any doubt in your mind about the Christmas story, maybe go back and read these verses and study these out. I mean, God's word's true. God's plan was perfect. And, I mean, he is who he says he is this morning. And when it tells us that, that there was a baby born in Bethlehem many years ago, that baby was born many years ago in Bethlehem, and that baby was the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I mean, that's, that's a fact. So, so God provides us, he, you know, he gives us all this documentation, what I've just read, but then on top of that, if you want to turn back to just a few pages back to the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And I know this verse is, is referenced often. But all these things were prophesied. All these things were laid out. And when I say that, you know, people say, well, I don't know about this prophecy thing. You know, the, the thing is, God used men. He has used men. He used men in the Old Testament. It's simply God sharing what he wanted us to know through mankind, through men that he chose, godly men, to share that. I mean, there's nothing unusual or strange about that when you think about it. That was God's way to share his knowledge with mankind, just like his word is today. I mean, for those that will open it up and look, God still wants to share his word with us. I mean, believers and non-believers, he wants to share. That's right. That's right. I mean, once we're saved, if we spend time, you know, and I, if we spend time in his word, and I said it before and I'll say it again. The more time that we spend in his word, the more true it becomes to us. Now, don't get me wrong. When I got saved, I knew right then and there, there was no, there, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was saved. Okay, but, but we have a lot to learn once we're saved. Okay, to move forward and grow in our relationship with the Lord. But the more time that we spend in his word, I mean, he does nothing but just affirm and confirm and reaffirm and, and, and help us establish us, firm us up, and help us to grow. His word does nothing but just reconfirm who he really says he is. I mean, I mean, it's... So, um, so in Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, and again, I know this is often read, but Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. You ever thought about that verse, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting? You know, I, I, thought, about, I thought about how that, uh, you know, Christ, Jesus Christ didn't come into existence in Luke chapter 2, okay? I mean, we have documentation. What happened in Luke chapter 2 was that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth in, in a man's form as a baby, okay? He'd been, Jesus Christ has been around forever, okay? And he was birthed on that morning by the power of God in a virgin named Mary. So Luke chapter 2, Christ came as a baby to grow into the man who would give his life on the cross of Calvary for our sins, for the sins of every person, for all of mankind. But Christ, just like God the Father, he's existed forever, Okay, so, I mean, I don't, don't think that just, you know, the morning that he was born, that's not when he started. He's always existed. So, he's always existed. And, <laughs> yeah. well, no. No. 
That's right. Always has been. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I know, and you can't. We can't fathom that, but. But. So you think back to to Luke chapter two, where we started. If you want to turn back there. And when I was t- telling you about Caesar Augustus and how that you know the title that he took upon himself, you know he attempted to make himself a god. I mean, that's, that's really what he was trying to do. He, he, wanted to, he wanted people to consider him to be a god. That's, that's why he took that title. He wanted to be worshipped. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted people to reverence him. But you know today, Caesar Augustus is gone, long gone. A lot of folks probably don't even know who Caesar Augustus is or was or has ever been. And nobody reverences him today. Um, he was merely a tool... He was merely a tool in God's hand to bring to, to pass God's prophecy. Okay, that's the only reason his name is mentioned in the Bible is because God used him, moved upon him to direct that taxing decree, and that's why his name is mentioned. But God was, was the one who directed that. So I think it's funny how man, back then, all along, man has, has, has strived to, to seek people to, to honor himself and, and to strive to, to get recognition from people and, and it's no different today but how that you know they'll deny almighty God the creator of, of all mankind they'll yet deny him but it's, it's just uh, it's sad it's really sad when you think about it and uh, anybody have a comment all right I'm going to read verses six and seven And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And you go back to verse 6, and I think, again, so many times we just kind of maybe go through these and and read these verses. But look at those first four words in verse 6. And so it was. You know, when God's word says it, that's just how it is. Okay? And, and, and everything that God does, that's just how it is. And I think it's interesting that he chose these words, and so it was. I mean, he was born. He was going to be born there, irregardless of what other people might say or do, or, or the fact that the end was full. God wasn't surprised by that. And so it was. I mean, it happened. He's, he's laid out for us and told us all these things. And he said, up to this point in time, that's when it would happen. I believe it's, what, Galatians 4, 4, that says that upon the fullness of time. He said, what time? God's time. When God said it was time for his son to come, that's when it happened. But it was all the detail and everything. What little bit I've tried to share this morning was just fulfillment of all that plan that he ordained was going to happen. One. So baby Jesus, the son of God, was born in a manger in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary exactly at the time, exactly the way that Almighty God said he would be born. Exactly. God the Father is holy. He's perfect. He's all-powerful. And I just, I just want you to know he's in total control of this world. You know, I, uh, we, may, we may get stirred up about things that are going on, and I don't want to get into that this morning because that's not why we're here. But what we need to, re- to focus on and what I need to focus on is God's in control. He knows exactly what's going on. He's not surprised by all this stupidity that, 
that men are doing and the, and the crazy things that are being said, he's not surprised. He's in control. He knew back when he called Abraham, he knew what was going to happen today in 2022. Exactly. And he knows what's going to happen in the future. So he was in total control over 2,000 years ago when Christ was born in Bethlehem. He's in total control today. And he's in total control of eternity, I can assure you. Of the future and of eternity, he's in total control. That's all I've got this morning. I hope, I hope that what I tried to share made a little bit of sense this morning.